I'm curious, do you have a really great BS detector? You're, maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. I think one of the most powerful things that we as moms can do is to start first, like to go first, to have a good relationship, to learn to have a good relationship with food ourselves and to have a better relationship with our bodies ourselves. Because when our kids see us, you know, having a having that good relationship with food in our bodies, they're going to pick up on that even without us like directly teaching them. Mm. So I think that's really powerful. Welcome to the Motherhood Podcast, the show for ambitious women who also happen to be raising kids. I'm your host, Michelle Grosser. I'm a certified master life coach, attorney, wife, and mom. Each week, I'm going to coach you to do the work that builds an exceptional life. We'll talk all things motherhood, mindset, and emotional well-being so that you can create a life designed by faith over fear. It's time to break through whatever's holding you back. It's time to extend your self-compassion, refocus your intention, raise your vibe, and alchemize the parts of you that will lead to a deep spiritual transformation. You are worthy of an extraordinary life in and beyond motherhood. If you're here to do the inner work and you're ready to expand, I'm here to join you on the journey. Each time you press play, your growth continues. So let's do it. I'm Michelle Grosser, and this is Motherhood. Hey everyone, Michelle Grosser here. Today on the podcast, we have a conversation with Victoria Yates. Victoria is a nurse turned intuitive eating and body image coach for women. So if you've ever been on a diet, you know they never really work, and you have, you're left feeling even more confused about how you should eat and what you should eat, right? With all the conflicting info on how to eat, it's no wonder you feel so stressed around the topic of food. But the truth is, healthy eating really doesn't have to be so complicated. Victoria is an expert in helping you become the healthiest version of yourself without dieting, without tracking calories, without tracking macros, or restricting any of the foods that you love. Enjoy today's interview with Victoria. 
Victoria, welcome to the Motherhood Podcast. Thank you for having me. We are excited to have you. I know you were a nurse or are a nurse, I guess, but I would love for you to share with everyone kind of your journey from nursing and how you are where you are today and the work that you're doing today. Yeah. So I was a nurse for five years and started actually my coaching business while I was still working and just fell in love with coaching as a practice, but also the work that I do specifically in coaching is helping women have a better relationship with food and their bodies to stop struggling with food. And however they're struggling, whether it's like restricting and dieting or overeating or emotional eating, any of those you know, struggles that people are having and stop struggling with their bodies. And that really came from my own story and my own struggle with body image and my relationship with food. So I had an eating disorder in high school and college. And it was really, it wasn't really until I learned about intuitive eating that say like the science part of my brain, it just something clicked with it. And I was like, oh, we don't like, I don't have to be so obsessive over calories and the numbers and tracking. And, and I can really just listen to my body and my body, like, like my brain just thinks very sciencey and like looks for the proof. And, and I think the cool thing about intuitive eating is when you look at how our bodies are made and how our bodies work, it fits very much in with the the truth that we can trust our bodies. We don't need to diet. So that's like my mission in the world now is to help women to connect better with themselves and their bodies and, you know, end the war that they have with food and their bodies. So they really, ultimately, they can just like go live their lives and be healthy and feel good, but also go live their greater purpose in this world. Yeah, I love that. I feel like this disconnect that we have from our bodies, like that, it just runs rampant and, and also not, I'll speak for myself, like just not even, not, not only not trusting my intuition, but not even really acknowledging it or knowing that it exists. Right. Uh, Yeah. And I know for me in my past, like it's been a journey with, with eating and exercise also, but pre-pandemic, I think was a, a, a change point for me. I was someone who would like find an exercise program because I'm all about like the programs and the plans and I need to know, like I have like an eating plan and a, you know, exercise plan. And then I would go so hard and then I would like last for three weeks or something. And then I would be like, yeah, this is not sustainable. I'm over it. And I would invariably like fizzle out. And now through this journey, I'm spending way more time being like, what does my body need today? What kind of movement do I need today? And that has I started that at the beginning of pandemic and now I'm still doing it and it's lasted, you know, three years and it's really just changing my paradigm around the rigidity of like, I have to do this or an obsession about it to like what my body needs. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like we were talking a second ago about like, like the high achieving type women, like we love to have that plan. Yeah. And I like to refer to my clients as like, they're like the A plus students of dieting. <laughs> like check the box. I did perfectly today. And like our bodies are just so much more unique and like they change all the time. And so like, it just doesn't work to have that like kind of mindset with food and like, like what you described, like following the plan and you can do it. And, but then like, kind of that perfectionist mentality comes in and it's like, but I didn't do it perfectly this one day. So gone, it's gone Hit the window. I'm back to my old way. So I see that a lot with my clients. I call it all or nothing. Like it's all or nothing thinking. 
and it keeps people really frustrated and really stuck. So that's a lot of what we work on. And as you were saying that too, I was just thinking like, especially as women, obviously there's a lot of things that probably affect what our body needs, like our rest and our stress and all these things, but even just our cycles, like I know, right. Like I notice sometimes like, wow, I'm so hungry. And then other weeks I'm like, man, I haven't even like, I've been snacking all day, but I haven't really been hungry today. I didn't need a lot. Interesting. So I guess the basics for intuitive eating, I feel like that's a term that at least for me, I've seen around and I kind of guess what it is. But if you were to like, just tell us what, what does it encompass? What does it really mean to eat intuitively or have that as your philosophy? Yeah. So intuitive eating is a framework that was created back in the nineties by two dietitians, Evelyn Tripoli and Elise Rush. But it's really, it's a research-based framework. It now has, I want to say over 200 studies last I looked that back it up that really helps you, helps people to get away from dieting and have more trust with their bodies. And so that's really what it's based on 10 principles, but it's, that's really the aim is to have better trust with your bodies and ultimately better health. Like every single study that has been done on intuitive eating has showed that people have better health outcomes when they are eating intuitively, um, you know, healthy, like better health habits, better like weight stabilization. So across the board, it's just a healthier approach. We know that dieting is, I think a lot of people are kind of catching on to dieting isn't sustainable and it's not healthy for our bodies to have those like, just like constant, like fluctuations where we're dropping 10, 20 pounds and then gaining it all back. And so, and it's not healthy to like go on an extreme plan or protocol and then it's not sustainable and then kind of retracting back. So that's really what intuitive eating was designed for. And and like, you know, it might sound, it probably sounds, it's really just connecting with your body, listening to your body cues around hunger, fullness, satisfaction. And then because dieting is so much part of our culture and a lot of us have, you know, like emotional, almost like trauma related to years of dieting. It's a lot of like undoing a lot of the mindset that women and like people in general have around dieting that, that prevents them from listening to their body. So that's a lot of the work that I do with my clients and coaching is like helping them get to a place where they make peace with food and get rid of like the good food, bad food labels and giving themselves permission to like enjoy food. So all of those things are kind of put into it as well. Yeah. I was kind of, you know, a lot of us listening were just products of like the millennial generation are products of parents who were like this diet culture generation. I feel like, especially like the eighties or maybe even into the nineties, it was like, there was names for so many diets and it was always this, you know, new thing. Or you can picture like your parents having like those shakes in the morning and that like the what were, weight loss. Yeah. Like slim fast. Yeah. And then I guess the other thing too, that I was thinking about while you were sharing that is just the spiral that I'm sure that you can see women get in or the cycle maybe is a better word of like, I have this idea of how I'm going to eat. I don't. And then I feel this guilt and shame. And then it causes me to eat quote unquote worse. And how, I guess, do you like, how does intuitive eating differ or help with that kind of cycle of, of feeling guilty when you're not eating well or breaking your diet or whatever it is that you're trying? Yeah. Well, so what I teach my clients to do is to look for like, 
I think, like I said before, like with the kind of perfectionist mindset, a lot of people go to like, I screwed up my diet. I overate, I ate something quote wrong. And that is like a failure. And first of all, knowing that like our bodies don't just break if we have a cookie, I think everybody knows that. And yet like when you're on the diet, like that's like, (gasps) I'm like broken. And so again, it's like that very all or nothing mindset. So getting away from that, knowing that, okay, all foods can fit in a healthy diet. And, you know, that really is the truth. It's like, how do we approach and like, how, how are we with these foods? Like, obviously we don't want to eat like 50 cookies, but, (laughs) (laughs) but like having a couple cookies is not a problem and we can still be healthy human beings. Um, And so kind of like getting rid of that mindset, but then also um, acknowledging that like normal eating means we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to like, like overeating happens sometimes. And instead of like going straight to judgment, I always like to say like, start with curiosity or sorry, start with neutrality. Mm. Uh, I gave away the next one, but (laughs) start with neutrality. And if you can like look at it, like, all right, I overate and just you know, not tie any emotion with it, not tie any shame or judgment. And then when you do that, you're able to actually get curious about it and ask yourself, like, I wonder why I overate. And usually the answer is pretty clear. There's like, you know, either maybe I didn't eat enough throughout the day and like, it's at the end of the day and I'm like starving because I just didn't eat enough, like physically eat enough during the day. Or maybe you realize like, oh, I'm overeating or like I overate because I was turning to food for my emotions because I'm like sad or stressed. Or maybe it's just like I'm stressed or I'm like mindlessly eating. I'm distracted and I'm just not paying attention. Mm -hmm. So usually, you know, when we can get curious about things like overeating, there's usually a, you know, a very clear answer for why you are, and then you're able to learn from it. Right. So versus like when we go to judgment about it, you just stay stuck in that cycle. And usually what happens is you, you know, you judge yourself for overeating, skip the next meal or like under eat the next day. And it just perpetuates the overeating. So like the best thing you can do is to break that cycle is to really extend neutrality and then curiosity and self-compassion too. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. So important. Have you ever caught yourself wondering why you do the things you do? Like, why do you get so angry and yell at your kids when they're moving at a snail's pace in the morning? Or why is it so hard to relax when the house is a mess? If so, you've got to take my personality patterns quiz. Because here's what's going on. When you were a child, Whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. And over time, those defenses became a habit, and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is really actually often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There's five different personality patterns, and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategy that you immediately go to when you start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who you are, but rather what's actually blocking who you are. And the good news is that once you take the quiz and you learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern and then live and parent as your true and authentic self. So click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz 
Now to take my two-minute personality patterns quiz. For a lot of the moms who are listening, whose bodies may have changed a lot through pregnancy and then postpartum, I know mine certainly did. I would love to for you to speak kind of on body image in general and like the relationship that that has with food and intuitive eating or maybe how you see otherwise and how intuitive eating can be a better route as, as it relates to our bodies, how we see ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't do a lot of work with body image when I first started coaching. And then as I started working with women, I noticed that you know, our body image plays such a huge role in just our relationship with food. They like interact so much because a lot of times what I see is like the cultural message is if you hate your body, if you don't like your body, then the answer to get to a place where you love your body is to lose weight or change Mm -hmm. something about your body. And the reality is like our body image, we it's, it actually has nothing to do with our physical body and it's everything to do how, with how we're thinking about our bodies. Because I know I've talked to countless numbers of my clients who we have this conversation and they think back to when they were in a smaller body and they're like, "Mm, yeah, I didn't really like myself then either. I was still picking myself apart, which just goes to show that it's not about our bodies. It's about how we think about our bodies. So that being said, we can always like, no matter where we are, like what body changes we've gone through, we can always have a good relationship with our bodies. And I like to think about body image in kind of the, or like body love in kind of the same sense of like how my relationship with my husband is. So I think about like, you know, when you first get married, we have a, you know, very like cuddly, lovey-dovey relationship, right? Like you're just infatuated with this other human and you feel that love like so strongly. And then like, you know, a couple of years down the road or however long that love kind of changes a little bit. And it's, it's like, you still love that person, but it's more coming from like, sometimes you have those feelings, but sometimes you just love them because it's a choice you made and like yeah. gotten a disagreement, but it's like, I still decide to love this person. And in the same way, like when we think about loving our bodies, we don't, I think we have in our minds, sometimes culture gives this message, like we have to have this like physical, like infatuated feeling about Mm. like with loving ourselves. Yeah. And that's just not always the case. And I think that can keep people really stuck because they think like, I have to like love how I look in order to have a good relationship with myself and a good relationship with my body. And the truth is you just have to decide I love my body because she's my body. And it literally is just a decision. Mm -hmm. And when you can start to see that, then, you know, that can start to change how you're thinking about your body because you're able to start to shift your, your self-talk. But going back to how this relates to food, when we don't, when you don't love your body or when you don't have a good relationship with your body, when you hate your body, Mm -hmm. just, I want you to just like, think about how that leads you, how do how you feel about yourself when you think thoughts like, I hate my body. You probably feel disgusted or like shame. And how does that lead you to show up in the world and to show up for yourself? Yeah. It really, you know, you're not going to be motivated to take care of something that you don't 
like or that you hate, right? It's yeah. it's like it's just not how motivation works. So that's why I started doing incorporating a lot of body image coaching in my work because I noticed that, you know, when women have a better relationship with their bodies, they are number one, going to be able to like have that better connection with their bodies to be able to listen to their bodies and and eat intuitively, but also like mm-hmm. the things that they're doing, like the healthy habits they're wanting to create, they're going to be more consistent at it mm-hmm. because it's coming from, I love and respect my body versus I hate my body and I'm trying to change. And that's just never motivating for the long run. Yeah. Yeah. That all makes a lot of sense for the people listening that can kind of resonate with like either it's the emotional eating or it's like the cycle of overeating and then being really restrictive with our diets or even just being like really regimented. And they're curious about this. Like how, how does one actually start intuitive eating? Is it really just like slowing down and paying attention or like, what's a good place to start? Yeah. So I would say the first thing to start with is kind of like I think about like three different areas. Okay. The first, like when you think about just like eating intuitively, yeah, slowing down and paying attention to what does hunger feel like mm-hmm. in my body and eating when you're kind of at more of like an early hunger stage versus a lot of times I see women like waiting until they're like ravenously hungry to eat, but like trying hangry. to eat yeah. at more of those like <laughs> early days. Yeah. Hangry. And then noticing when you're full and, you know, stopping at a comfortable fullness where you actually feel full. Cause another thing I see women doing is like not actually getting full. They're just kind of like eating until they're no longer hungry. And then they are just kind of like always hungry and, you know, noticing that they're, thinking about food all the time, but eating until you're full. And then also noticing satisfaction because satisfaction is something that is really important with eating. And we don't really think about that when we think about food because it's, you know, culture's kind of taught us it's all about like just the calories and the, you know, enjoyment of food is not as important as like the health benefits. But actually there's been, there was a really interesting study that showed that when, when we eat for satisfaction when we eat foods that are satisfying not only do we actually absorb more nutrients which is kind of cool but also we tend to eat less because if you think about like for example if you are craving ice cream one night and you're like okay i'm going to be good yeah yeah and i'm going to like <laughs> have some yogurt and then you finish the yogurt and you're like oh that did not hit the spot i'm still wanting ice cream so then you're like okay well now i'll have like some crackers <laughs> Not like ice cream, rice cream, rice, rice cakes, right? And then it's like at the end of the day, you probably ate even more calories than just like having a bowl of ice cream. Right. So satisfaction is really important too. So that's kind of like the ins and outs of intuitive eating. But like I said before, because of dieting and like a lot of us either being on diets or like growing up in this like diet focused culture, we have a lot of like food rules that we have to work through too. So practicing, giving yourself permission to eat food or to like incorporate all of the, you know, all foods in your diet, like saying that there are no good foods and bad foods, working on a lot of like the mindsets that have come with dieting. Mm. and getting to just like more of a peaceful relationship with food is really important too, because something that I see people doing that if they aren't doing that inner work Mm. is kind of treating intuitive eating, like just another diet. And that can kind of like keep them pretty stuck, like almost going to going down the road of like feeling like they have to eat, 
eat when they're hungry, stop when they're full perfectly. And Mm -hmm. it just kind of makes it another diet. So working on the mindset piece, working on your relationship with yourself, and then also the ins and outs of just like eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full, all of those combined are, you know, really important to be able to eat intuitively. Yeah. I love that. As far as that inner work, is that something that you do with your clients too? Like it's not just about the food, but really changing how their mindset is and all of the stuff that's beneath the surface for all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I work with my clients a lot on things like what we've talked about, perfectionism, all or nothing thinking, comparison and control and all of those things, because you know, the reality is what I found is it's never actually about the food. Okay. You know, we work on the food stuff too, right? Like what does hunger feel like fullness? Like what are some things that you can do to, to, you know, not overeat or not turn to food for emotions, but it's always like the, at the root of it, it's always for, for my people, mm-hmm. something related to perfection or like feeling like they're out of control and like being afraid of being out of control or, um, you know, struggling with comparison or people pleasing. So that's kind of how, like for a lot of people that I work with, those kinds of things, just like food is like how those, that perfectionism perfectionism tendency comes out. But yeah, so we do a lot of that inner work together in coaching. Do you find that a lot of the inner work stuff that you focus on is like it, there's the food and, and eating related component, but is it always or often also tied to like exercise or moving their body or the same thing? Like, are yeah. the, like how, how are those tied? How do you see yeah. it? Well, there's also like the all or nothing thinking with exercise, like that I see where, you know, people might be like, well, if I didn't run or do like the hit workout, if I just walked, like it doesn't count. Or, you know, if I skip a day and I like meant to exercise and I missed that day, then, you know, I just, I'm, I go to like, I'm never going to exercise again. Like my brain gets so dramatic about it. So yeah, that definitely can play a role with like how people are with exercise. So that's like why I'm, you know, why I mentioned it's never about the it's never just about the food. So we work on like how that's how that perfectionism, that all or nothing thinking is coming out with food and exercise. But then sometimes, you know, we talk about career and relationships and all of these other factors too, because they're just like part of being a healthy human being also. So it's all related. I think that blows some of my clients' minds sometimes. They're like, what? I thought we were going to talk about food all t- all the time, every single time. But yeah. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. Because sometimes I say like how we do one thing is how we do everything. Right. Exactly. So it's like if I'm trying to be overly controlling in this area, it's very likely it's bleeding into a lot of other areas in my life too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So when it comes to these labels that we tend to place on like our foods or the judgment or the way we talk about our bodies, I'd love your take on like how important it is that we're intentional about that, obviously for our own journey, but then even in front of our kids, Mm -hmm. like how important is it that they hear us listening to our bodies or making choices or not saying, you know, these, these comments about how our body looks or like, I'm going to exercise so I can burn off that cookie later or whatever, like however it is and the impact that it can have on our kids or the little ones around us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say that like our kids growing up with a good relationship with food, a good relationship with their, with their bodies really starts with our own relationship with food in our bodies. Because I mean, 
like, like you said before, you know, we grow, we grew up with probably parents who were into all the diets. And I know for me, for one too, like I never had, my mom never criticized my body and yet I heard her criticizing her body. And that led me to feel like I had to criticize my body. Mm -hmm. You know, like it wasn't the direct, like her saying anything negative to me, but it was like learning this is how I'm supposed to speak to myself. And it was not, it's not healthy. Right. So I think one of the most powerful things that we as moms can do is to start first, like to go first, to have a good relationship, to learn, to have a good relationship with food ourselves and to have a better relationship with our bodies ourselves. Because when our kids see us, you know, having a, having that good relationship with food in our bodies, they're going to pick up on that even without us like directly teaching them. Mm. So I think that's really powerful, but you know, I think, I don't know. I think that's, yeah, I, I would just say that that's like one of the most powerful things that we can do. And just, you know, kids are, I have a two-year-old and I'm like a two-year-old and a one-year-old and I'm learning that. I- they model, like they are just watching literally everything that I do. And I'm like, sometimes to a fault, I'm like, good or for bad. Yeah. Good or for bad. And, but it's amazing how quick that they pick up on, you know, just everything that we do. And I'm like, I didn't teach them this and, and there they are. So I think that that's like the best thing that we can do as parents. Yeah, I think so too. You mentioned earlier something about how when we eat foods that are satisfying our body, even absorbs nutrients better, which is super fascinating. I am curious. So obviously intuitive eating with like when we're hungry, when we're full, these kinds of things, but also like, tell me a little bit about how it factors into how certain foods are making us feel like, is that a part of it too? Yes. Yes. So the, the last principle of intuitive eating is basically honoring your health with like a gentle approach to nutrition. And what I see for women that it's so powerful is, you know, taking their nutrition knowledge, because a lot of my clients, at least, and I would maybe guess your clients too, have like, we have a lot of nutrition knowledge in our mind. Like we maybe even know too much, (laughs) maybe even know too much. And, but taking that knowledge and, and instead of using it and like having like applying it to our life, but like from this place of fear, which is oftentimes like, I think the cultural drive that we are like motivated from and we learn is like, okay, I have to eat this way to not get cancer or not like get diabetes. Right. But if we can like use that nutrition knowledge, but from this place of empowerment, Mm. that is, you know, when you are able to have that kind of mindset around nutrition knowledge, you're able to just number one, apply it in just such a lighter, more powerful way Mm. versus like being motivated by fear. But I'm trying to remember what your original question was here, (laughs) but just how foods make us feel. Oh yes. But part of that, yeah. Is like paying attention to how does this, how does food make me feel? How do I feel when I eat at McDonald's versus like eating something homemade, because that can be really powerful information. So yeah, I love that you brought that up too, because if we can start to kind of get into the mindset of like, you know, taking that nutrition knowledge that we have using that, and then also pairing it with, all right, how do I feel when I'm eating this? And again, going back to like, not from this judgmental way, not from this, like, oh, I feel really crappy after I ate that stack of pancakes at IHOP, but just from like an observation place, like interesting, you know, I I just like didn't feel great. 
after eating that, it doesn't mean that I'm bad or wrong, but also I'm going to take that information and, you know, maybe next time decide to eat less pancakes or, you know, choose something different, like depending on what you decide. But I think, you know, one of my philosophies is you are the best expert of your body. Hmm. I'm not the best expert. I'm not living in your body. I don't know how you're feeling. My job is to help guide you to tap into your own body. And, you know, the doctor even like he has his own knowledge, but he's also not the best expert on your body because he's also not in your body. So we can take what other experts offer us, but ultimately going back on I'm the best expert. You're the best expert on your own body. So part of that is like paying attention to how do you feel and using that information as just a guide for you for how you're wanting to eat. Yeah, that's so good. I I feel like I say that to my kids sometimes too. Like if they're going to eat something that's like, I don't know, like a big piece of cake or something, for example, like they're at a birthday. I'm always, like, I'll tell them, like, I don't know if that's a great idea, but if you do decide you're going to eat all of this, I want you to pay attention to how your body feels after. Yes. And they're only four and five and a half, but they'll come to me sometimes and they're like, oh, mom, like my stomach really hurts. I'm not going to eat like that anymore. And it's like, is that maybe the preferred way for them to learn that lesson? But I just love the fact that they're associating like, and it's not even necessarily food that makes them feel icky, but also like when they eat a really healthy breakfast and get protein. Like, wow, look how much energy you have and how much focus you have this morning because you ate whatever it is that works. Like you said, everybody's different, but like noticing what works for your body or what's not good fuel for your body can be really powerful. I'm sure. Yes. I love that because you're basically teaching your kids that they can trust themselves and Mm -hmm. how are they going to learn that they can trust themselves without you letting them like have that experience of like eating the cake and not feeling so great. You know, like I remember, I remember in high school at one point, I think we had, or maybe it was middle school. I think we were able to like bring candy to school. I don't know why, not sure. But I remember eating like a lot of jelly beans right before a track practice, cross country practice and feeling horrible. And I mean, that was the last time I ate that much candy, I think ever because I felt so sick, but I learned that lesson and I had to learn that lesson. So it's, I think parents too, like we freak out about our kids, like eating Mm -hmm. anything quote wrong or overeating, but sometimes, sometimes they need to, to be able to learn that lesson themselves. And the, the more we push against them, it's like, I mean, I'm learning this in parenting, like, When we push our kids one direction, like they like to push back. And I think, you know, and and don't always learn the lesson we're wanting to teach them. So sometimes they need to learn it for themselves and that's the best teacher. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know. Anytime we think we have control over our kids, it's like such a (laughs) life's biggest joke. It's like, "Ah." and I also don't want kids who are like sneaking this stuff around because that's not a healthy relationship with food either. Right. Yes. Yeah. Cause then they're like kind of growing up with this scarcity of like sugar mm-hmm. is off limits and it's this like bad thing. It's just reinforcing a lot of like the diet messages and yeah, it can definitely lead to like sneaking it and overeating it and not being, att- not paying attention to their bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We're recording this on Halloween for all of you listening. Yes. So I'm just thinking like it's going to air later, but man, this is such a timely conversation because I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about how all the candy and everything makes our bodies feel, but also allowing ourselves to 
enjoy it but not feel guilty about it and then in a couple of weeks I'll take the whole pot and like dump it in the garbage and just great right okay we've had enough (laughs) enough is enough so good this is great I am sure there are people listening who have struggled with body image food you know it's kind of I think for some people it's really like a a a lifelong journey, I think. So for people who want to know and hear more, like where can people find you? Where could they work with you? Yeah. So you can find me at my website, victoria-yates.com. And that's kind of the hub for all the, th- all the things. Okay. I'm over on Instagram at non-diet underscore RN. And I also have a podcast called the Redefining Health Podcast. So you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're interested in working together, I do a free 45-minute consult, which you can book at my website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. This is great. Yeah, thank you so much, Michelle. If you love mommy's podcast, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review, they really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review, and trust me, When it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up and I'm working on bringing you all of this content, your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, DM me on Instagram at themotherhood.podcast. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Motherhood Podcast. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources, information on how to join and participate in the motherhood village, and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.